Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of 40 Guard Live. I'm super excited to have Omar with me again, and um, we will have an exciting topic today, Omar. How are you doing? I am well, man. It's been a long time since I've uh, seen you, so uh, so I've been missing our cyber talks on uh, all things uh, hackable. Yeah, and we have a good one today because we talk about deep fakes, a combination of deep learning and fake. And so deep fake is a subset of machine learning, which is a subset of AI. So we get quite specific now when we talk about AI and not just about the broader term specifically. But I know you have been dealing with deep fakes for the last decade quite a bit. Um, maybe you can give us a brief history about deep fakes, uh, about your early impressions of the technology back in the days and where we are today. Man, so I am uh, I am just a big fan of deep fakes and how they work. I've been playing around with them on a personal level for quite some time. I, I remember even before deep fakes, um, like I just saw like how you know like faces used to like morph into other uh, faces with what what the technology was actually called morphing. It actually appeared in like Michael Jackson's video Black and White, and I was like I was like man, this is really cool. And then from there, we've seen like you know, things being used in a completely different way where, you know, someone's face is talking and with their voice in a, in a, in a way that you can't really distinguish that it's not really them talking. Uh, we've seen things like being used in really bad ways, like in the election and politicians saying things they shouldn't be saying. Uh, we've seen things in a fun way from an entertainment standpoint. Um, I don't know if anyone's like a fan of The Mandalorian, but, uh, you know, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker came back in essentially a deep fake uh, where, uh, you know, it was his young character uh, still, uh, you know, doing all his little action scenes. So that was really cool. So I think deep fakes are really, really good uh, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, giving us technology in a way we didn't really imagine. But also, as you can imagine, from a cyber attack, from a phishing, from a scamming standpoint, there's a lot of opportunities and I do want to point out, like, although I'm talking about video deepfakes, uh, what's been around even longer and probably even easier to achieve for attackers is just voice deepfakes. So deepfakes without without the video. Yeah, let me take one step back and uh, elaborate quickly how deepfakes are actually generated, because I think this is very key to understand here. Since it's um, it's part of deep learning, which is a subset of machine learning, it heavily relies on machine learning algorithms. And we know we have been working with them for the last decade. And the more powerful computers get, the more data they can process, the better the algorithms can produce um, output based on the specific input. And in order to create the deep fake, which could be, for example, me talking to you based on a script you write. And the way it works is you need a lot of good data, like you usually do with machine learning. And this is usually easier to gather from podcasters or from politicians, just from people who appear in the media. So, for example, if you want to impersonate the current president or a very famous podcaster, you can just scrap a lot of video and audio from that specific person and run it through the algorithms. And the algorithms then will learn very quickly how a specific person talks. For example, it will adapt an accent. So I have quite a strong German accent, but also the way I take pauses, the way I talk with my hands, the way my facial ex expression looks like, all these small features are then being trained by the algorithm. And at some point, if the algorithm is good enough, I can just try to script in Microsoft Word, for example, and just feed it to the algorithm. And then the algorithm will create the video like I talk now with the input you pretty much gave into the script. And 
as Amora mentioned, um, this can bring very nice um, avenues for creators, but it's a huge um, threat as well when we talk about cybersecurity, especially about phishing attacks. Yeah, so you know, you know, one of the things I think that's really interesting is the algorithms actually like take into account like you know your head movement, like uh, you know your eyebrows moving, things like that. So it actually gets into a lot of detail. It like takes into account things you may say like ums and other types of pauses as well. I'm actually like using deep fake technology right now. I do a lot of training, as you know, and I'm kind of getting tired of like like uh, actually being in front of the camera and like doing a lot of training. But I, I've noticed it helps much more than just PowerPoint slides. So I actually created a deep fake for myself and, uh, and I'm actually doing my training based on like deep fake. So it looks like I'm training, I'm moving my hands just like I'm doing right now. And I'm actually like, uh, you know, being animated while, while I'm in a little corner box and really the focus is on the PowerPoint or on the slide deck. And uh, it works out really well that way. I don't have to actually say anything. I don't have to record anything. It's just a script that I write and uh, feed it into the system. And at the same time, uh, you know, uh, from, uh, from the standpoint, I get to focus on the actual training and talk about that. Yeah, and in the past, usually you had services available where you could just choose a specific celebrity and the, the creator of this website trained the model already. But these days, the variety of choices is, is getting bigger and bigger. So for example, I'm not sure um, the, the site you would talk about, but the, the one I'm using right now, it's just publicly available. I can upload some of my talks over the last three years. And then the website is just learning based on my video recordings, based on my public presentations, and we can just use this. So the more someone is in the spotlight, the easier it is to create a, a deep fake about him. But some of these websites, all they need is like a couple of minutes. We talk about five to 10 minutes of audio recording to impersonate your voice. And sometimes even if you're not in the, in the main broadcast, just I have a phone call with you and then I record this phone call and then feed it into that system can help me impersonate that specific person I was just talking to. Now, just imagine how attackers may use this in, you know, in cybersecurity and from an attack standpoint. I mean, we've always already had like phishing emails. We've had whale phishing emails where uh, business email compromise or, you know, uh, someone's a CEO or, uh, you know, chief financial officers being, you know, basically impersonated. But now you have, a, you know, you have a phishing email and then you have a follow up phone call from your CEO impersonating their voice. Uh, they're like, oh, you know what? Um, come on, teams, real fast, and let's let's uh, let's go ahead and do a video call. You have like now a, a deep fake video call. You're just basically reinforcing this idea, and this can really be used for complex, you know, cyber attacks. Haven't seen one that complex yet, but as you can imagine, it's probably not that far away. And as you said, you know, just even a couple of years ago, you needed pretty powerful GPUs to run these deep fake uh, learning algorithms. Um, you need, you know, not, nothing. Nothing crazy, but you needed like you know at least some decent uh, hardware to do that. And now you can do it on a lot of public sites for a couple of minutes. Like in, within a couple of minutes, you have enough training data sets. Um, you can do this on your own as well. Uh, just the computers are now more powerful enough. Just things that you buy off your local computer store or wherever, you have enough power to do that all on your own. And unfortunately, it's a lot of power if it's used the wrong way. Yeah, and it's it's as no other cybercrime businesses, which we have seen, everything adapts to as service models. So deepfake as services is not something which is far ahead in the future. It's here right now. It costs uh, between ten to one hundred fifty dollars, one hundred fifty US dollars, depending on how sophisticated 
you want to use it. Or if you have the hardware yourself, you can download the open source model by yourself, run them locally, and it's pretty much free of charge. So the capabilities are, are getting bigger and bigger. And as you mentioned, I think for cybersecurity related stuff, it becomes quite tricky because deepfakes, they can impersonate individuals, they can impersonate officials. Uh, we have seen them during the US election 2016. And if we think back 2016, even though it sounds not too far away, it's already uh, eight years away. And then election, as far as I know, I'm not a US citizen, but it's going to happen in the next couple of uh, months or next year again. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see many, many more deepfakes next year, because it's a really sophisticated way to pull the audience towards your side. And just I think the last last week, there was a thread on Twitter where a deep fake image generated um, um, a, a strike, a, a, a bomb uh, uh, exploded in, in the US and the stock market dipped for a few seconds uh, heavily. So we can see people using this already making, I'm not sure if it was financially motivated and someone is actually shorting the S&P 500 and I was just using this AI generated picture. And I think deepfakes have such strong capabilities in the future. And it's really hard for the defensive side, because in my opinion, training is it helps to a certain degree. But I need to be honest with you, I've seen deepfakes, and it's really hard for me to tell whether it's real or not. And I'm reading about solutions, which can machine learning algorithms, which can identify deepfakes, and they're capable of telling what is real and what's not. But it's it's not that easy, I, uh, I imagine. What's your view on that? No, it's, it's not that easy. So, uh, so first of all, you know, you, you mentioned a deepfake attack that's essentially, you know, you can even consider this like a, a attack against critical infrastructure because stock market, you know, and financial markets can definitely be considered critical infrastructure. So you're talking about some like very serious consequences, you know, that could, you know, affect people's lives, right? I mean, like people's jobs, people's lives, people's lives you know, GDP in, in, in a nation. So that's that's very serious attacks. And as you said, like, how do we get to the point of, from a, as a cybersecurity company, how do we detect against these attacks? Even in your own organization, how can you like detect against some of these common attacks? And, you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, on a learning curve on how to do that. You're absolutely right. Some of the more public algorithms, you know, there's enough... Um, kind of kind of enough tricks in them i would say enough uh kind of fingerprints in them from a digital standpoint on being able to detect them from an algorithm standpoint but like how do you check that are you constantly checking streaming video are you going to be constantly checking um you know voice a voice that usually happens over an rtp session if it's like a voice over ip um you, you know so and that can be encrypted so now, now you have to deal with technologies of like decrypting ssl intercept uh, on voice all the time on video all the time the the complexities increase exponentially on how to detect deep fake in a active organization when like uh, these types of services running all the time and um, that's definitely scary for me as a cybersecurity professional is how do we how do we make deep fake detection as easy as how we have ips or even like uh, anti malware systems right now and i don't think as an industry as professionals we've completely figured it out yet um, we definitely have our, you know, ideas on how to do things. We definitely have demonstrated things on a very small scale, but we've been really lucky that deep fakes for the most part from a cyber attack haven't gone very large scale as, as we've seen phishing attacks or business email compromise or just drive-by downloads. And once that happens, we're, we're going to have to up our game pretty, pretty fast and pretty high. 
Yeah, and, and I think there's an ongoing need for legal and policy responses regarding that as well. But whenever you involve that topic, it gets a little bit difficult as well, because usually that applies for a specific country, maybe for a specific region. But as we know, the internet is, is quite borderless. And just because you define specific parameters in a specific country, it doesn't mean others will not use it for their purpose, because that's usually always in a, from the point of an attacker. What are they interested in? And that's the way they train their models. Yeah, attackers normally are not uh, that uh, concerned about following policies and laws, right? And, uh, you know, they're, uh, you, know, you know, and in some ways they're going to use that to their advantage. They're like, okay, uh, you know, if their policies and laws are dictated in a certain way, how can I get a lot around that and use that to my advantage? Because I know no one else is, you know, going to be using that if they're ethical. So that's, uh, that's also an issue we have to deal with all the time on multiple topics and even outside cyber, right? So that's nothing new. Yeah, on the other hand, Amar, you know, I have this challenge right now. I'm running out of PTO days and I could really need some more PTO. So I think I will just scrap a lot of information from our manager and send it to his manager um, asking for one week more PTO this this year. So maybe we can use it for once to our advantage. You know, he should be used to it by now because I've done that to him so many times. So not an issue at all. I, I think he'll be fine. And I'm sure he's listening to this and uh, probably just shaking his head. And he's like, Amar and Jonas again. <laughs> what have I got myself into <laughs> Yeah, Omar, it was, it was good talking to you. Um, you have any final words? Man, you know, I think it's exciting. I, I, I never have final words because I'm never done talking about cybersecurity, to be honest with you. You're going to have to, like, just turn me off and click me off. But it's always good talking to you. Uh, it's always good talking about these, these exciting, cutting-edge technologies. And I can't wait for the next time we get together, man. Yeah, thanks so much for joining, my friend. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And for the audience, if you want to hear, hear more about this and how it can be leveraged for initial access purposes for spear phishing campaigns. Please head, o- head over to our blogs. We r- write quite frequently about it and uh, involve these kind of new trends in, in our blog. So please feel free to head over to 40net.com slash 40 guard labs. And um, until next time, thanks so much for joining in.